If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Mark chapter 1, and we will be in verses 21 through 28. Uh, We have walked with Jesus and uh, through the gospel of Mark as he has been uh, baptized, as he has called his first disciples, and here he is uh, teaching in his first public teaching through the gospel of Mark. And so our goal this morning, as we've been doing, is just to, uh, to read the scripture and to see where the Lord takes us, what the Lord would show us this morning, and uh, continue to uh, press on towards learning and living out this good news message of the gospel. So let's uh, read it together, Mark chapter 1, and let's start in verse 21 together. Uh, John Mark writes, And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this, a new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. Let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing on this time. Dear Lord, help us. We need your guidance. Would you open our hearts to receive and allow us to be different than when we came in this morning. As we leave this place, we recognize that we are entering the mission field of Montgomery Entering the mission field of our jobs, our homes, our families, our friendships, our hardships. So Lord, let us be gospel lights and let us be encouraged this morning by your word. In your name we pray. Amen. The first thing that comes to my mind and jumps off the page uh, is Mark's usage of the word authority. You see that Jesus, number one on your outline, is that Jesus taught here in the synagogue with authority. You see it mentioned at the beginning that they were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them as with authority, not as the scribes. And then after the exorcism, they say, what is this new teaching, someone teaching with authority? Now, as customary, these synagogues were not the temples, but simple kind of family synagogues that would have been littered throughout the town. And so people would come to these synagogues to hear teachers speak on uh, different scriptures or speak on some theological truths or topics. So it was not uncommon, and Paul and Jesus both took advantage of these opportunities to come up to these synagogues and have opportunities to teach. And so Jesus is going to be far different than any other teacher that's come in to teach because Jesus is not coming in saying, I've heard it said in times of old, or I've read other teachers talk about these passages. Jesus is speaking with the differentiating factor of authority. So what does this look like? What does it look like for Jesus to speak on authority? I was recalling back to many years ago, I had just the distinct honor and privilege to go and talk to uh, a, uh, a Vietnam War uh, survivor of a, a POW. He was a POW of war, and uh, we had this opportunity to sit. I, I can't remember what restaurant we went to, but we, I sat across from him. For, for me, it felt like about 10 minutes, but I think it was about a three-hour conversation over lunch. And I would ask questions. He was an open book, and he, he, he stayed at this horrible uh, place for many, many years. And as we talked, 
just every story he told was so rich and alive. And he just shared with me his perspective on what he saw and what he experienced. And I was waiting on every single word that he spoke. I mean, every question he asked, I cannot wait. To, every question I asked, I cannot wait to hear his response. And it was just invigorating to hear the things that he was saying, enlightening to hear. I'd never heard such a conversation in my entire life. Well, I think back to years uh, before sitting in many a history class, watching many a History Channel documentary, uh, and I got to thinking. I had never heard someone speak like this man did. Now, I'm not, I've never won many awards for my academic prowess. I've not gotten all the little accolades and there was no asterisk in my name at graduation because I was part of all sorts of honor societies and clubs. Just wasn't me. I think we got a discount on our insurance for having a B average. So that was my goal, which is not have the C's, just get the B's and we'll be okay at at times the D meant done. Can I get an amen? Parents are looking at their kids like, do not amen that. Um, I, I got through, I made my way through. My wife is the academic of the household. Um, but I think back to all my wonderful history teachers, all those wonderful documentaries on the History Channel, and none of them captivated my attention. I didn't hang on every word of my history teachers speaking about war and about these difficulties of war. But that man, he had seen it. He had lived it. He had been there experienced it. So his words were dripping with authority on the subject. And can you imagine Jesus walking into the synagogue speaking with authority? That in Genesis, when it says, in the beginning, God created that Jesus, this authority was present in the creation of all things before the birds were flying in the air and the fish swimming in the sea, before the stars were littered across the sky and the sun placed perfectly where it is, before the earth was formed or anything in it, before you or I or Adam or Eve, Jesus was there. So as he comes to the synagogue, this man speaks with authority. And there's something so unique about this authority that twice the people that are listening are saying, what is this teaching? What is this? This man is coming and speaking with such authority. Someone whose very words are scripture. You imagine what that must have been like to sit there and listening to Jesus. Come down and speak with authority. Now, Mark does not give any of the content of his message We don't ever see Mark explain exactly what Jesus talked about here. That's not Mark's point in writing. Mark wants us to see very distinctly in these short little sentences that Jesus came and he taught, and he taught with authority. Now, this authority word is incredibly important in our day and age because we live in a world in which we can go out and find a multitude of things to tell us whatever we kind of want to hear, but we come back to the ultimate source of authority, which is God's word. This carries weight. This carries authority in our life. For us, God's word has authority over us. We walk it. We live it. We follow according to his concepts and his precepts. We allow God's word to be a lamp into our feet and a light into our path to lead and guide us. God's word is our authority. Not what people may think or what they think you should do or you should want to do that we are bound by or should live as believers under the authority of God's word. We're not going and hearing other people's thoughts about it or what they think we should do. We go back to the source. Yesterday, I 
had the joy, you could say, of installing a video doorbell in my house. If you've ever done that, don't. Hire somebody, all right? This is my endorsement. Don't try it. I thought this is a simple doorbell. I got this. I'm technologically inclined. I can do it. But at some point, I found myself on a ladder installing this doorbell onto the chime of our house, and all of a sudden, a doorbell that I didn't even realize we had started going off about every 45 seconds, just mocking my efforts. I even know we had this doorbell, and there it goes, just going off about every 45 seconds, ding, like that, like that uh, smoke alarm that just goes off, and you can't figure out where it's coming from. You know, it always goes off about one or two in the morning, and it just mocks you. And this doorbell was just going off and mocking me as I stood on this ladder trying to fix this one doorbell, another doorbell that I'm not even working off. is just going off every 45 seconds, and the, the frustration begins to well up. Just, God, what are you doing here, right? I begin to scour the internet. I've got my iPad on top of this ladder, and I begin to think, I type in the brand that I've got, which I'm not going to say the name of it, but I've got this this doorbell does not work, doorbell chiming in random places. I'm getting all these handymen telling me what to do, and none of it looks like anything that I've got here before me. But I'm scouring the internet trying to find somebody that can tell me about their doorbell experience. But you know what actually worked? I went and found the instruction manual, and I began to read it. You know, the people that made the doorbell had some pretty good ideas. You know why? Because they made it. They understood. They had a frequently asked questions page that had some of the similar things that I was walking through to tell me, when this happens, do this. If you see this, this is going to happen. It's because they were an authority. And there's something good about having this authority of God's word to lead us and guide us. To go back to when our most difficult of days to remind us and firmly root us in truth. So Jesus, first of all, he taught with authority and he gives us authority. And then you come to verse 23. This authority is going to lead him into the most interesting of situations here. Verse 23, and immediately, Mark often uses the words immediately. You see it right in 21. You've seen it so often here again. But in verse 23, and immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. It does not mean that this man with an unclean spirit just all of a sudden appeared there on the ground. This man probably was in the synagogue for many weeks and months, which is an oddity in of itself that a a man with a demon or an unclean spirit would want to be in the synagogue, but that would be another sermon for another day, and there'll be many opportunities for us to talk in Mark's gospel about unclean spirits in the synagogue. But this unclean spirit was there inside this man, and the, the unclean spirit cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, you could consider John the Baptist possibly being the first, but here we have likely the first uh, thing, human or anything, to properly identify Jesus for who he was. The disciples to this point have not accurately said, Jesus, you are the Holy One of God. You are God's Son. Here we have the demons saying that there is Jesus, the Holy One of God. If you look on your outline, you'll see, follow along, James 2.19, that, uh, excuse me, you've also got the demons believe that God is one, and they shudder in fear at the reality that God is one. This is an interesting reality. Number two on your outline, you'll see that the demons knew Jesus' authority. 
So even as Jesus is teaching in the synagogue, the people are marveling at the authority of Jesus. The demons look to Jesus and say, I know exactly who you are. Jesus, you are the Holy One of God. Have you come to destroy us? And then partner that with James 2.19, for you believe that God is one. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Which would bring us to an important question that I don't believe anybody walked in here thinking that I would ask this morning, but I want to ask you. What then is the difference between us and demons? Uh Uh-oh, gets a little weird, right? What's the difference between you and me and a demon? I'm sure we would all confess this morning that God is one and Jesus is the Holy One of God, and we could probably make up a worship song that would be just in line with what the demons just said, that God is one and Jesus is the Holy One of God. So then what's the difference? What would be the difference in the demons and us who would confess the same exact thing? Well, I think this is important. You can write it down on your outline there that the demons' belief about Jesus, the demons' belief about God turned their hearts towards rebellion. The demons knew this about God, yet they still continued on in their rebellion. They rebelled against God, His plan, and His purpose, so much so that their plan from the enemy is to steal, kill, and destroy. That whenever God is at work, the enemy is far be- or right behind, ready to steal, kill, and destroy. So the demon's belief about Jesus, belief about God, turns them towards rebellion. But for you and I, the Christian belief about God and Jesus turns our heart toward righteousness and repentance. When we recognize that Jesus is God's Son, the Holy One of God, we don't rebel against it. We repent of our sins and we live in righteousness following God's plan and purpose for our life. So yes, there is a big difference between us and demons. Right? Gracious, I would hope for an amen right there. Yes, yes, there is. By what we do with the knowledge about who God is and what he has done for us. But see, simple knowledge, just saying that God is good and we believe in him, is simply not enough. Now, let me pause for a moment because I I, I want to make sure there's clarity here that I'm not saying that you've got to believe in God and then do other things to earn your salvation. I am not saying that. That we believe that it is by faith alone, by God's grace that we're saved. But I want to take a moment just to give you a silly analogy that this morning, say that you are parched beyond belief. That you're right at the point of death and you are thirsty like you have never been thirsty. That you don't even know if you could stand another step because you are so thirsty. That you are almost to death. And let's say this this little cup of water appears before you. It's not a mirage and you see it. And all you have to do is drink the water and you'll feel better. The simple knowledge, yes, this water in my body is going to make me feel better and I will be restored. Does knowledge about it do anything for my body and my my well-being? And all of you who've been through first grade would say no, right? The knowledge about the water does me no good. At some point, I've got to take the water and I've got to begin to drink. Drink deeply of the water. The same is true. We have the ABCs of salvation. We admit that we're a sinner. We recognize deep in our hearts that we cannot save ourselves. We believe that Jesus is God's son. And then we call upon the name of the Lord, that he is the Lord and leader of our lives. So at some point, friend, you've got to take the water for yourself and drink deeply of it. 
We can come into church and hear every good sermon. We can read nice Bible stories. But until it is ours, until he becomes the Lord and leader of your life, then it becomes water on a table. And I worry that many of us, our souls are parched because we never take the living water and drink deeply into our souls. You can hear me say, friends, we are not we're not faith and works. It's not faith our works. That by our faith, God has called us to a lifestyle of change and righteousness and repentance. You can know every right fact about God. You can know every right detail and iota and Bible story. But you could have never tasted and seen how good the Lord is. So these demons knew Jesus' authority. In fact, they knew it so deeply that they shuddered in terror at the reality of who Jesus was. I mean, you see them say in verse 24, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? And they confess, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So even the demons knew Jesus' authority, and this is where the turn happens in verse 25. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him, and all that were amazed, so they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Friends, one of the most important things that you'll write this morning is that Jesus wins our victory. Jesus wins your victory. He wins my victory. He wins our victory. You see in this moment as this demon looks at Jesus, understanding that he is under this authority that Jesus carries, and Jesus calls this demonic activity out of this man. The man convulses, and crazy things happen, and ultimately this man is healed of this demon, ultimately foreshadowing what Jesus would do to overcome death, the enemy, and win your victory and mine through the cross. I'm reminded of what Billy Graham said as he often got the, people were just saying, man, how's this going to work out? This is a rough situation, rough news. And people, Billy Graham would always look at people and say, I've read to the end of the Bible. I've read the last page of Revelation, and it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be all right. Why is it going to be okay? Because Jesus wins. Jesus has won your victory. He's won my victory. And even though the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, we have victory through Jesus. If you're reminded of Romans 8. And I want you, to, I want you to respond back to me because this is important. Friends, we're living in a we're living in a difficult day. Just this past few weeks, I, I want to be honest with you and just share that uh, over the last two weeks, I've probably received more calls and emails and texts and seen it with my own eyes and read more articles on, on these simple truths that I've read in a long time. So often we got through 2020 and we just said, if we can get to 2021, everything is going to be okay. If we can just make it through this hard year, if we can just get to 2021, everything will be okay. Friends, things have not just magically been okay. And the rates of alcoholism continue to just skyrocket. The rates of drug abuse have continued to skyrocket. 
The rates of use of pornography and other things just to numb our spirits continue to go up and up and up. People are walking in hard lines of depression and anxiety and fear that just hover over, not just culture out there, but even amongst our faith family. There's a heaviness. At times, we can feel like we have been defeated. That COVID-19 has defeated us and we are losing this battle. But friends, remember the battle cry that Jesus has won your victory and there is hope in trusting in Jesus. There's hope in your alcoholism. There's hope in your addictions. There's hope in your depression. There is hope for you. Don't lose it. So as I read Romans 8, I want you to respond and I'll give you the proper time to respond. But listen to these words, flood your soul and recognize that there is hope for you this morning. That Jesus has won your victory. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, if he is for you, who can be against us? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us for the love of God in Christ? Shall tribulation, should distress, let's start over. Who would separate us from the love of God in Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine or nakedness, danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Friends, from the time that the demons were crying out, I know who you are, the Holy One of God, have you come to destroy us? Even in Mark chapter 1, the demons understood what Jesus had come to do. Look on your outline, you see Colossians 2.15. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Jesus has come to defeat the work of our enemy. Know that whenever the Lord is trying to do a good work, the enemy is right behind seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. And so we want to be sober-minded. We want to be watchful, knowing that our enemy scoundrels around seeking someone to devour. This morning, as I look to Jesus, knowing that he is the authority, that he has come to win your victory, the good news message of the gospel is that he has already done it. So we just have to walk by faith. Verse 28. As all this has happened and the people are talking about this incredible authority of what Jesus has done, He commands the unclean spirit, they obey him, and then in verse 28, and at once, his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding regions of Galilee. This is what we're called to do. That Jesus' fame spread as they get to see this incredible, miraculous tale of what Jesus has done, see and hear his teaching, his fame begin to spread, and that is our goal, that we share this good news message, that we spread his fame to every nook and cranny and uh, center that we go to that we continue lifting high the name of Jesus and spreading the fame of the gospel that defeats every enemy, that defeats every ruler and authority, 
that would seek to steal, kill, and destroy. Friends, we have good news, and we have hope beyond hope beyond hope, not in ourselves, but in Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you that you have won our victory, that you have defeated death, you have defeated our enemy, you have vanquished the enemy. Lord, we look forward to that day that there will be no more pain, there will be no more mourning, there will be no more hurt, there will be no more hardships, when everything will be made right and perfect as it was. Lord, help us when we get discouraged and defeated. Lord, I pray specifically right now for those who are in a deep pit of despair. Lord, you remind them of your light. Remind them of your hope that you have won their victory, that nothing can separate them from the love of God in Christ Jesus. The Lord doesn't look with a condemning scowl and point of the finger, but with open arms. Thank you for your goodness. It's in your name we pray. Amen.